know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is just Jam and Joe with the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking some Georgia Bulldog baseball, some Atlanta Braves baseball, and also RG3 and I are going to get into the NFL draft and how it impacted uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So, without any further ado, the guy who I just mentioned, my astute sidekick and co-host is across the way, RG3. How's it going, bro? Another Mm -hmm. hump day. It's going well. It's going well. Um, I know it's hump day when I get the meme, the camel, uh, from you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, halfway through the week. Um, got, what, a day and a half left of work. Ready to knock that out. You know, go see the Avengers. And, yes. Uh, see what all the hype's about. Yes. See, um, you know, how, what's going on in the new universe. Exactly, exactly. Well, well... Besides the opening of Avengers last weekend, there were some big news going on in the sports world, and without any further ado, we're going to get into some of those topics here, and so we're going to start out with a little University of Georgia Bulldog baseball right here. So you've kind of got a couple things to to throw my way in terms of uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, uh, Georgia had a tough weekend this past weekend, uh, being swept by Mississippi State in Starkville. Uh, should there be a reason for concern for the team right now? Honestly, I would say no. I don't think I don't think there's any reason for real concern. I think Georgia's just really, really injured and beat up right now. I know when they played Citadel last night, their bench only had 12 extra players as opposed to their full complement of players. So, so Georgia's just really injured and beat up right now, in a lot, in a lot of different key spots around the diamond. And interestingly enough, last weekend. So, so there were seven series in the SEC last weekend. And so five of those seven series, the home team swept the road team. So what that tells me, this is a tough time of year with school. I mean, I mean school's wrapping up. You got finals coming up. You have Definitely. projects. And I, guess, and like I said, I mean, Georgia's beat up right now. So hopefully Georgia uh, can get can find uh, their winning ways here against those arch rival Florida Gators this weekend. And Georgia did get a nice uh, midweek win. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, last night against the Citadel, in which they won nine to nothing. So, and so RG3, the interesting thing where they played that game last night, they played it in North Augusta, the, the home of the Green Jackets, the minor league baseball team. And that stadium is brand new. It's only been around for about a year. And Georgia actually played Clemson there a year ago. So, so I think it's hmm. so I think it's uh, part of the schedule now, where Georgia's going to try to play over in Augusta and try to placate to to another part of the fan base and have like more more fans be able to see Georgia, not just in Athens, well, which is honestly a pretty neat touch. And uh, and it's also pretty cool for those guys getting to play in a minor league ballpark as nice as. Uh, when the Augusta Green Jackets play in North Augusta. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Georgia's playing Florida this weekend in Athens. And, I mean, as far as the rivalry between Georgia and Florida, how tense is it in baseball compared to other sports? Oh, oh, it's right up there. 
I know everybody wants to think Georgia, Florida football is as intense as it gets. It's intense in every sport. It's intense in basketball. It's intense in baseball. You you literally want to beat Florida at anything and everything possible. I know I know there are different parts of Georgia fans everywhere, but where you live and as far as like who your biggest rival is. But but to me, the biggest rival Georgia has, no matter how down and pathetic Tech is, Florida will always be that number one. Just because Florida has beaten us in so many different sports throughout the years in just crushing ways. Now, whenever you get a chance to beat Florida, no, no matter the sport, let's just take baseball, for example. Florida baseball won the national championship fairly recently. You, you know, Florida's done a number on us, and now Georgia's the better team now. Florida's like 28-12, and 12, I believe, record-wise. Record and I think they're like 9-12 and 12 maybe in the SEC. And, and so this isn't the best Florida team that they've had of late. So Georgia's got a real chance here to, to take advantage and hopefully win at least two out of three, maybe sweep Florida, because there would be nothing better than, than with a huge sellout crowd for all three games to, to, to take two of three at even, least. You, you think that's the case even with, you know, so many injured players and, you know, getting close to finals and, you know, just... I guess how how beat up we are. Oh, oh no doubt, no doubt. Those concerns are valid, but I also know the intuition of like the eighteen to twenty two year old college athlete. And when it comes to your rival, you 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 have this like extra like drive, this extra gear where you like get up for it. You, you know, you went to Auburn, and whenever there was anything to do with Alabama, like like Auburn was playing Alabama, and anything like. Like, could you notice, like, on campus, like, the vibe? Like, everything was just up a notch. Yeah, Like, yeah. just, like, walking around or just being around town. Like, whenever Alabama was going to visit the Plains, I, I feel like there would be, like, an extra gear amongst, like, Auburn people. That That's how it is with Florida mm-hmm. for us. Like, whenever anything to do with Florida, I know, I know I get a little bit more jacked up and a little bit more excited um, to always play them. So, so that's how I would answer that question. I think... I think Georgia at least should win two out of three, and if they don't, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty disappointed because because a you're at home, and b it's crunch time. And if Georgia really wants to, and if Georgia really wants to keep the good momentum and the good footing that they have, they need to take two out of three from a, from this Florida team that is not as dominant and as powerful as Florida teams have been in the past. Mm-hmm. It's RG3. That's kind of that's gonna kind of like wrap it up for our UGA baseball talk. We're gonna keep the baseball talk going here as we talk some Atlanta Braves baseball, and you may fire when ready. All right. So the Braves reliever Jacob Webb got his first career win on Sunday, and his first save on Monday. What stands out when you watch Jacob pitch? Honestly, before Sunday, I had never heard of Jacob Webb in my entire life. And I didn't even like I didn't even know that he was in our minor league system. I I hadn't heard of him or anything. And so I'm watching Sunday, and I'm like, okay, who's this Jacob Webb guy? And he comes in, and he's just like cool and calm, and he's just like, and is making pitches and throwing strikes. He's got an impressive fastball. He's also got some really good secondary pitches, but uh, between a curveball and a changeup and a slider, which is pretty good too. And he he came in and he just had this kind of like swagger about him, you you know you know when he wears uh, his hat he kind of has it cocked to the right a little bit so so he's kind of got that like that's 
not moxie about him, that swagger about him. And and which honestly, if you're if you're a guy in the back end of the bullpen, you have to have that. I mean, I mean, you have to have a little bit of moxie. You have to have a little bit of swagger. And I think Jacob Webb is slowly but surely are beginning to find that. And that's what's been great for the Braves, who who have really been struggling to find steady bullpen help. And hopefully Jacob Webb can can continue to be a viable option on the bullpen. I I've really been impressed with what I've seen out of Jacob Webb. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I just love those situations where, you know, you're just not expecting anyone anytime soon for, to grow up through the through the minor league system and then, you know, they just, you know, think they're ready and throw them right in there and they just perform. Um, beyond their but, years. Yeah, beyond their years. And, you know, they're, you know, it's like, where, why were they down there for so long? Like, yeah. May, may, maybe it's perfect timing or... Maybe we've been missing out the whole time. Who knows? Maybe, but, you know, maybe. at least they're di- they're there now. Exactly, exactly. So. And I think and I think that's where a guy like Jacob Webb can hopefully provide some stability mm-hmm. at the back end. And also, he he's right handed, and he throw and he's got like an electric fastball. I mean, he, I mean he can get it up to like any from like ninety four or ninety five. I, mean, yeah, I mean, he's got good stuff. So, so, so I mean, it's it's not like. I know, I know the Braves kind of had their struggles of late with the bullpen, so hopefully Jacob Webb can provide some stability and uh, and be that for the Braves because they need it. I mean, because honestly, like, like I was thinking about it the other day, and I mean, I'm still kind of holding out hope that they're going to get Kimbrell, but I looked into that deal, man. Yeah. That, that if the Braves, that, that the reason why the Braves are so like, like on edge about doing that is if they sign Kimbrell, they would potentially lose a draft pick. And so, and so there, and so there lies the rub. They're they're nervous about potentially losing a draft pick because the Braves have done such a good job of drafting and developing. And how much talent. does Kimbrel want at this point? Uh, so at the beginning of at, at the beginning of all this, I think Kimbrel wanted six years. I think his asking price has gone way down. I want to say really, yeah. And who else was looking at Kimbrel? I, I'm, I mean, basically everybody. I mean, like like Washington was looking at him. I think like, Washington was the, the other main team. No, was it Washington? I think it. I think the last there time. There was one main team or one other team that was. Besides um, us. Besides us that was strongly considering. I, I want to say, say when we looked it up, because remember we looked it up before the show that one time. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's Milwaukee. Okay. Because, because their, their bullpen is kind of like ours. They... <laughs> Where where they have like one or two like really good pieces, and and they're looking for they're looking for more help because they've gotten uh, bitten by the injury bug. I I still for some reason think RD three that maybe it, it might be after the draft, but I do think Craig Kimball is going to be. I'm I think he's going to be with a major league team. I just don't know who. I'm hoping Atlanta, but I mean, I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. I I just think a guy like that is too talented to not want to pitch, and and he could really help out on a team. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, think about. It. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of teams right now that are searching for bullpen help. I mean, all you have to do is like look at the National East. Like our bullpen's kind of very up and down. Washington's bullpen's up and down. Um, the Phillies bullpen is very up and down. That that's just the NL East, and then like we talked about with the Brewers a second ago, like their bullpen's kind of up and down. I still think Kimbrel's going to join a team at some point. I mean, heck, he might even go back to Boston for crying out loud. Yeah, 
But they're but talk about having a rough season. Boston's having a really rough year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they did just win the World Series. Yeah. But like, but, but like Chris Sale, for example, is like zero and five with like a four fifty seven ERA, and you're like, you're like, this is one of the best like pitchers in the American League, like. And you're you're struggling like this? I mean, I mean, well, I, I mean, every player has their has their slump. I mean, you look at Acuna, who's in a cold slump right now. I mean, he was so great last year. You know what? He's, what's going on this year? What does he have to do to break out of the slump he's in now? Well, well it's interesting you transition uh, to to the offensive side of the plate, and we talk about Ronald Acuna. So I so I watched the game Monday night. Uh, my dad was at the game Monday night and saw it in person. Mm-hmm. And 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 as I'm watching the game Monday night, I noticed something that Jeff Francoeur said because they were talking about Acuna and they and they were talking about his swing. And RG three, when you watch Acuna swing, his swing is very long. It's a, it's a very long swing. He he has he, and it takes him a minute to get everything to come through. And and with watching Acuna, what I noticed. When you watch his rookie year RG three, you his rookie year tape. You when what you'll see is the way he held the bat. He held the bat out like like out front, and then now he's kind of got it here, but there's a little there's a little hitch mm-hmm. in there, and I really think the hitch is what's doing it. And that's that's what I was gonna mention that Frank Core brought up. Is Frank Core was like now that he's got that little hitch that he's kind of worked in, that hitch is making it really long. For him to, uh, excuse me, for him to, for him to get his bat in the zone. Where do you think that came from? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's like a bad habit, or maybe just something Ronald picked up one day, just like swinging the bat around. I don't know. I don't know. I hope he cuts it out soon, or or has, you know, the hitting coach Kevin Seitzer, you know, you know, you know talk to him, or or maybe even like Jeff Francoeur, or some some or somebody talk to him and just kind of like. You know, kind of fix it. Yeah, and that's one thing I wish we had in our softball league. Because what a hitting man, catch! Th- this season, my my hitting's been been awful. It's uh, I just feel like I'm I'm swinging too early, and then you know because I swing early, I have to have to slow my bat down in order to hit the ball in time. And it's well, and other did. times, you know, I swing too late. It's just. I don't know. It, it'd be nice if you if if I if we had a personal hitting coach. Hitting coach. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. So so in terms of finishing up with Ronald Acuna Jr., I think Ronald's going to be just fine. I think he's too talented, and I don't I don't think this thing is going to be bothering him for long. I think he's going to be just fine. He'll yeah. he'll get it figured out. Ozzy, on the other hand, he he's been doing great. Ozzy Ozzy's on fire right now, especially from the right side of the plate, like. Like, dude, he hit that home run Monday night, like, like from the right side, like four hundred and something feet. I mean, it was really impressive to watch. I mean, just like flick of the wrist, like getting his whole body into it. I was just like, holy smokes! <laughs> and he's something else. He sure is. And like, like remember for that experience we got to do last May, and you know, you like we saw Ozzy up close. Like Ozzy's a like to be as like small as he is. Like he's put together, man. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and like like I'm pretty tall, so. so so when I watched Ozzy, I, I was just like, you know, he he really is like that, like kind of short and small. And then you like look at him, and you're and you're like, and like as close as we were to him, and like we see him, and you're just like, he's filled out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so no doubt. And see, that, 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 
That's why you you can't doubt us shorter people. We, no, no, of course not. We perform just as well, if not better. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and also, also speaking of Ozzy, he tripled again tonight to weed off the game, and mm. that's and he kind of ignited the Braves' first run because Dansby got the RBI sack fly. That's awesome. And currently, the Braves are up. Oh, five to one. Oh, Dansby homered four hundred five feet. Acuna scored, so it's a two-run bomb. That's what I'm talking about, Lieutenant Dan. He's keeping the power coming. So, RG3, you've got one more question in terms of the Braves, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, Mike Soroka had a career high of eight strikeouts Monday night against San Diego. What did you like most about watching Mike's performance? So, what stood out to me about Soroka is the fact that he was using all his pitches and he was throwing everything for strikes. His fastball... Is about 94 to 95 miles an hour. And he was locating it well. You know, like I talked about last week when we did a deep dive into Mike Soroka. His sinker and his secondary stuff is really, really explosive. And that's what he was getting people out with. And I'm, I'm talking like his sinker ball, his changeup, his slider. You know, secondary pitches to play off his fastball. And see, the other thing about Soroka that's, that's really, really cool for, for when you watch him pitch is he throws two different kinds of fastballs. He goes two-seam fastball, and then he also goes four-seam fastball. And I heard him in his post-game comments Monday night where he was saying uh, that the Padre hitters were figuring out his two-seam early, and he just went to his four-seamer, and he started mowing him down. And he and he, he really, to be as young as he is, to be 21 years old, he has so much composure and, like, moxie about him that you that as a fan, you you literally can't ask for anything better than that. And you're and you're like, dude, this kid's 21. I mean, I mean, when I was 21, I was doing like stupid stuff. Like I was in college. <laughs> you were in college. I mean, Mike Stroke was in the bigs. I mean, and he and when you hear him talk, he's very like put together. You you know, he uses like like great manners. You know, just a really good guy, and really really intelligent in terms of like talking baseball. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing with Soroka, I don't I don't know if you saw any of the game Monday night, but there was a play where he bunted the ball. And and then Camargo uh, was going into second, and Camargo slid, and the Padre first baseman Eric Hosmer, and it went into center field, so much so that it got past the center fielder, and so Camargo scored, and then Mike Soroka, the pitcher, ended up on third base, and one of the reporters asked him after the game, and was just like, Mike, you know, can you describe that in battle a bit? Mike was like, Well. I got a little league triple, didn't I? So that that was pretty cool. Hmm. That was pretty cool for him. He, got a little league triple. Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the sky is the limit for Soroka. Between Soroka and Freed, when the two of them are pitching and they're in the rotation right now, they're must-watch TV for me. Either one of them. When it's their starts, I am like, I am canceling my plans. I am watching those two. They, they are such a joy to watch pitch. And the thing about it, they're both insanely young and insanely talented. Mm-hmm. So as Brave fans, we have a lot to be excited about. So RG3, that's going to kind of wrap it up in terms of our Braves talk. We're going to go to one last little part of the show here, and that's some NFL draft. And the Falcons did uh, some major upgrading on the offensive line during the draft. Um, What are your thoughts on the new members of the O-line? Well, RG3, I'm really excited about the two newest members of the Falcon offensive line. Chris Lidstrom, who they got with the 14th pick overall at Boston College. He's an offensive guard. I think Lidstrom's got a chance to come in 
and play right away at one of the guard spots, left guard or right guard. I think he's going to do a really good job of protecting Matt Ryan. And I think Caleb McGarity at tackle is, is going to be used uh, to provide depth. And he, and he, I mean, who knows? He might get a chance to crack the starting lineup too. We, we just got to see how the two of them do in minicamp and in training camp. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really excited about these two. I think it, I think it addressed a need. I think it shows that the Falcons are serious about protecting Matt Ryan and opening up running lanes for Devontae Freeman because RG3, I don't know if you knew this, but did you know Matt Ryan was sacked 42 times last year? I did not know that, but I know he was sacked a lot, and I know he is very thankful. I read an article the other day where he texted Dimitrov and was just like, Thank you for drafting <laughs> these two because they can protect me. Yeah, and they can create running lanes for Devontae Freeman, mm-hmm. which which is great. So I'm really excited about these two offensive linemen, and we'll we'll just see how they fit. And uh, I, I'm ex- I'm excited about what the Falcons got going. Definitely up front. Um, and they also addressed the back end of the defense with two defensive backs. How excited are you about these two new Falcons? And so yeah, RG three, like I mentioned earlier. So so one of those picks is Justin Shutfield, the cornerback out of Ohio State, who was the hundred and eleventh pick in the draft. And I and I think he's an impressive, athletic defensive back. He he's big, and I think he's gonna give uh, the Falcons some flexibility. And he's also gonna he's also gonna provide depth. For uh, Isaiah Oliver and Desmond Chubon. so I'm excited about Justin Sheffield. And then the other the other DB who they got is is a guy named uh, named Jordan Miller. And Jordan Miller is out of Washington. I think he'll be Desmond Chubon's backup for sure, no doubt. And I think he's going to do a good job pro- providing depth and stability for Desmond Chubon. So I'm excited about what what the Falcons have in these cornerbacks in Sheffield and in uh, and in Jordan Miller. So I think I think the Falcons did a good job of addressing needs. They didn't hit the defensive line as hard as as hard as I would have wanted, but that's okay. They they did a good job of getting after the offensive line and providing more depth in the back end of the defense, which is something that Dan Quinn really likes. So mm-hmm, I'm excited. Definitely. I'm excited about it. Me too, for sure. So flipping it over to the college scene, RG three. So some of the guys at Georgia, uh, so some of the underclassmen that left early. I'm honestly not a big fan of them leaving early. I understand certain positions have short lifespans. I get that. With um, with Elijah Holyfield at running back, I understand running backs have short lives. You, you know, you got to get the money while you can. Uh, I was really surprised about Isaac Nana, who, who was drafted not until the seventh round. I really thought he would have, or I really thought he should have come back to school. I think he could have done a really good job. Having one last year, yeah, I I'm, I don't understand with him. I, I especially underst- with like last year's performance, I I think he would have been a lot better off sticking staying uh, in college with UGA than going for the NFL draft. No doubt, but, no doubt. Um, you know, I, but but then there are some people like Michael Hardman, for example. Who who did who did okay for himself? You, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a second round pick with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think Miko's gonna get a chance to play early, and I think he's gonna do really really well. And I also think Miko's gonna be able to help set up his family for life. So, oh, so that's great for Miko. I'm happy for him. Um, 
So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, Isaac Nada, and you know, I, I think it would have benefited him more to stay with Georgia. And, um, you know, with Jackson Harris, he graduated uh, this year. Um, he's actually participating in the Falcons minicamp and the Seattle Seahawks minicamps. And, and I believe those are coming up in May, right? Um, yeah, he leaves uh, this weekend for Seattle and then uh, the weekend after that for uh, the Falcons. And that, so hopefully, That's going to be really cool. Hopefully things will turn up with that. But I'm um, excited for him. I really think Jackson Harris would be in a really great situation right now had um, he had better chances i mean if he would if he were given better chances and better situations um during the past two years of his college career right um i just felt like uga decided to set him aside right um just to let isaac nada who was a five-star play even though you know he was great his first year but he didn't perform as well his second year uh, as well as you know his first year right right so and and I and I think a lot of Georgia fans would would make that same would, would make that same assumption about him mm-hmm. for sure for sure. So RG three, that's gonna wrap it up for another exciting installment of the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast. Do you have any big weekend plans or uh, anything going on? Well, you know, going to see the Avengers. That's and, gonna be awesome. Uh, looks like I'm buying a sectional this weekend. Oh, cool! And I'm gonna be going to see Avengers with RG three and. Uh, I'm also going to be watching a lot of baseball, keeping up with the Braves, keeping up with the Georgia Bulldogs, and just kind of hanging out and enjoying life. So for that, I'm Jamin Joe. He's RG3. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.